children, thanks for worshiping God with us in song. You are dismissed. The children can go into their children's programming. Glad that you're here with us. We bless you kids and bless your teachers as you learn a new virtue. We are starting off a new series entitled Great Summer Reading. I don't know if you've picked up any of the good summer books this uh, this summer, but we got some great summer reading for you coming out of the Word of God. And our, our communicator uh, for this morning has been a, a pastor for over 16 years. He started a church called Emmaus Road in, in uh, St. Louis Park. He is also the an associate professor at, at Bethel University. He's a godly man, uh, married to Janiel, has two kids, and he's our associate pastor. And he just joined our, our staff uh, a couple of months ago, and I'm just delighted. I'm just blessed to have Pastor Craig Case to, uh, to be on our team and also to bring God's Word to us this morning and uh, throughout the years, the years to come. So we're kicking off a series right now entitled Great Summer Reading, and, and Craig Case is our, is our new pastor, and he'll be sharing the Word to us this morning. So would you please join me in welcoming Pastor Craig Case. Well, that was a nice intro, but I haven't been to a U2 concert, so yeah, next time. Well, I'm excited to be here and to launch into uh, this teaching series. Don't you love summer? Sunshine, big concerts, uh, just the chance to kind of have a lazy afternoon or stick your feet in the cool grass. Maybe it's just uh, spend an evening, a long evening in the summertime on your uh, deck or on a patio, or maybe it's simply just sitting in a beach chair. It's kind of hanging out with your kids and your family and spend some time at the beach, the, the four weeks out of the year that we have in Minnesota to go to the beach and enjoy the sunshine. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of a time where we, we, we read books, don't we? Yeah, you know, maybe sitting in a, in a chair like this and read some books. And, you know, it's it, Barnes & Noble, if you've been there, or uh, Amazon.com or even Oprah, they come up with a recommended list of great summer reading. So... As you read uh, this summer, my, my wife and her sister just finished uh, the, the popular book, The Help. Anybody read The Help? Yeah, a few hands, mostly women. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I haven't read it. Um, but as you're reading, I just want to invite you over the, the next few weeks just to kind of follow along with this series of teachings called Great Summer Reading, where we're going to look at three captivating, compelling, page-turning stories from the Bible. Uh, as you read your, your novels or your fictions or your history books, uh, is just take, 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 taking time to uh, read the scriptures and to follow along with the series that we're doing. As you do, I just want to mention a couple of things. The thing that we need to realize is that as we read books uh, from the bookshelves of Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com, is that there is a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between uh, just these kind of regular books and the Bible. There's a difference. Uh, the Bible is one of the primary way, ways that God speaks to us. When we come into these stories, when we come into these passages, when we come into these pages of the Bible, is that there's an opportunity for our, our character to be transformed, right? It's the opportunity that we have to have our lives formed and changed. It's the opportunity that we have for us to hear the voice of God. And not that the, these other books are, are bad, but there's not much impact that comes you know, from the help, or I just read David McCullough's book, The 1776. You know, it was a great book, very inspiring, but my life, my daily walk wasn't really changed. We enter into these stories of the Bible is that we have the opportunity for our lives to be transformed, for our lives 
for our personalities, for our families just to be impacted in amazing ways. And it's for us to remember that as we come into these stories to realize that these stories are alive. A man named Martin Luther once said, the Bible's alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. And for us to realize that when we come into these stories, when we come into these passages, when we come into the Bible, is to realize that uh, this book, these stories are alive. There's something different here than other books. One thing I want to mention too as we begin this series together is one thing I just want to point out. And it's actually a couple of words. Happened versus happens. Is that when we come into the Bible is to realize that this morning, Genesis chapter 28, the story of Jacob, who has this dream, this encounter with God, is to believe And maybe for you this morning, this is your step, to actually believe that there was a real man named Jacob living in this time who had this real encounter with a real God. I want to invite you this morning to believe that this really happened. That the stories of the Bible are true. This is not fiction. This is not a novel. Uh, These stories are real people in real times dealing with real events. It happened. It's historical fact. I think a lot of us are kind of in that. We realize that. But the next step is very important. And I, I, as I talk to people, there's a chasm between this happened and happens. Maybe the challenge for you this morning is that we, when we encounter these stories of the Bible, is to actually believe that this story is your story. It happens, present tense. It's where it moves from historical fact of Genesis chapter 28, but it actually happens in your life. It happens in your cubicle. It happens in your family. It happens in your marriage. I want to invite you this morning to take that step, to actually believe that this story can be your story, that these circumstances can be your circumstances. Okay? So with that, let's turn to our first story that we're going to look at, Genesis chapter 28. If you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn to that. Genesis chapter 28. We're going to go to verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the, on the slides as we look at this amazing story of Genesis chapter 28. Let's start with verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. It's just a great pillow, isn't it? Who doesn't want to grab a rock and just kind of lay on top of it? He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Wow, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. 
He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Well, the city used to be called Luz. One of the things I love to do with, with friends of mine or in classes I teach or with my kids is simply say, when you come to a passage like this, what do you see? What do you see? What do you, what do you observe? What are some kind of first impressions as you come to a story? I think um, maybe you want to do that as we go through these stories together the next few weeks. Is what do you see? What, what are some impressions? What are some observations you have of this story? Um, something I do with my kids on a regular basis. It's just, what, what's, what's in there? What do you see? And we have conversations around that. I think too often we come to these stories, we feel like there's like this, this hidden treasure somewhere in there and we need to know certain things to get there. But what's your first impression? What's your observation of the story? I want to share a few that I have. Uh, the first observation I have on this story is that Jacob realizes that this huge, ginormous, that's a word, amazing, Supersized, multi-dimensional God is there. He's there. And it's like, whoa. And I'm not sure what the word for in the Hebrew of, of surely, but it had to be some the sort of emphasis like, whoa. God, God, God is here. So the observation I have is, is that God is present in this world. He's active, he's alive, he's at work. This God who is multidimensional, this God who is so beyond space and time, at the same time, is here, involved in this world. And Jacob realizes that. He comes across this, this God who has been there the entire time, and he just didn't see him. Didn't realize that God was there. Um, a couple of months, actually about a year ago, I lost this really uh, valuable pen. Anybody a pen person in here? I love pens. This is like pens. And my wife and I will go to a store, and invariably it's like a magnetic forest. I'll be kind of pulled into the pen aisle. And I'll just kind of sit there and look at pens, you know, for you know, half hour or so, and Gino can't find me, and I'm in the, I'm in the pen aisle. I like really nice pens. And I, I remember I got this pen as a gift from a good friend of mine. And I couldn't find it for the longest time. I looked everywhere. Looked in, in you know, my office, I looked in my briefcase, I looked at jackets, I just couldn't find this pen. I just kind of gave up hope on it. It's just lost. I can't find it. Just a bummer. And um, after a, a, some weeks and after actually a couple of months, I was in my car. And I remember it was kind of the evening time, um, it was actually late at night, and I was in my car and the door, I popped my door open, I was about to get out, and so the interior light was on. And I just remember um, kind of looking behind one of the seats because I was reaching for something, and there is my pen. Surely this, plen, this pen has been in this place, and I was not aware of it. There it is. It's in my car. I didn't even look there. It wasn't like the pen just kind of showed up. The pen had been there the entire time. Been there the entire time. I'm just kind of, I remember holding that pen, you know, in the interior light of, that, of my car, the, you know, that chrome barrel of that pen, the, the, you know, kind of just shimmered in that light, and there's my pen. Okay, not the best analogy for God, but you get what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's like Jacob comes across this and he sees God, God is in this place. God's here. And it's kind of this, this shimmering experience where he realizes God has been there. And like my pen, it's not like God just kind of showed up. 
God had been there the entire time. That's part of the, the refrain, the, the response of, of Jacob. He's kind of saying, surely, the Lord's been here the entire time. He's been here the entire time, and I just didn't, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't, I didn't open my eyes to, to actually realize that, that God was here. I think sometimes we, we have prayers. We'll, we'll say, God, you know, come to this event or, or uh, be, you know, show up at this sort of circumstance. And we'll kind of pray that. And then we have that event or that circumstance and we sense God's presence in some way. And we have that kind of statement like, like God showed up. No, I think you did. I think, I think God is here. I think God is active in our world. And this man named David that we're going to look at actually in a couple of weeks writes in Psalm 139 uh, these words. This is the message translation. A similar thought to Jacob. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. It's interesting about the sort of uh, timeline, the sort of story of David. Like, like Jacob, he's on the run. I encourage you to actually read the, the chapters preceding Genesis chapter 28. Jacob is on the run from his brother Esau. Jacob had stolen the birthright. And, and David's on the run from King Saul and his armies. And he writes these words. Both guys are kind of on the run. And they have this encounter with the living God. And they say, God, you're, you're here. I can't escape you. And perhaps the, the question for us to wrestle this morning with is, um, maybe we're on the run. Maybe on the outside everything looks perfect, everything's kind of put together, but in kind of the interior landscape of our lives and our hearts. Maybe you and I have been on the run for some time. This morning is the kind of the first step to pause and reflect and to realize that. That perhaps you've been on the run. Maybe it's a couple of things. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's some pain that you just find yourself running from. And for you this morning is to realize that the living God is there. I am with you, God says to Jacob. And for you this morning, as, as you're on the run, is to realize that God is with you. I am with you. And for you to become wide awake to this God who's involved in this world. Another observation I want to make this morning as we look at this, this story in Genesis chapter 28. Actually, uh, you'll see it here on the screen in verse 11. This is a very interesting statement and it kind of, it, it kind of it gets past our attention. The writer says this in Genesis 28, verse 11, when he reached a certain place, this is about Jacob, when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. Now, this phrase, if you're taking notes this morning, if you want to kind of circle this in your Bible, a certain place in the original language is kind of an inside joke. In the original language, when the writer writes this, it's like if he was texting this, or maybe emailing it, he'd he put, uh, at a certain place, LOL. Because it's not a certain place. It's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. It's not a certain place at all. 
It's just an ordinary, kind of run-of-the-mill place. It's, it's not a place that Jacob goes to, like, this is the attraction. You know, I, I need to go to this metropolis. Um, he's just kind of in this boring, everyday, routine, kind of back-of-the-woods sort of town. Kind of like Iowa, you know? It's like a certain place. Like, when you get to Iowa, that, that would fit in Genesis chapter 28. As you get to know me, I like to pick on Iowa and Wisconsin quite a bit. So it's just part of my nature. All right. Anyways, it's, it's just kind of ordinary, routine sort of place. So at this certain place, Jacob wakes up and opens his eyes to this God who's not only involved in this world, but he's actually involved in the normal, routine, everyday sort of things of life. Okay? It's not just like church on Sunday. It's not um, this huge event of life. One of the lessons that we, we find, one of the observations here in Genesis chapter 28, is that this living God, this magnificent, this, this incredible God, shows up in the most normal, ordinary, mundane places, back-of-the-woods kind of stuff. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. I was talking to my daughter Allison about this passage this past week, and she actually gave me a few minutes to listen to what I had to say. And uh, as we're talking about Genesis chapter 2, my kids are just used to me talking about these passages all the time. It's like, oh, okay, here's that again, okay. Um, and sometimes they'll say, can I miss Sunday then? You're, this is the sermon you're talking to me about right now. Um, I always say no. But uh, we're talking about Genesis 28. And I said, you know, your friends at school, they believe that God's active and involved and in, in present in this world. And she's like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, my, my friends would realize that God, God's a part of this world. And when it comes to tragedies, when it comes to big, the kind of big stuff of life, she said, my, my friends would kind of realize that God is there. And then I, then I talked about this. I said, how about in the really routine, basic, kind of ordinary stuff? And she's like, what, what do you mean? Like, when you're taking an exam at your class in school, or you're in the softball field, or when you're at a sleepover, would they b- believe that God is present? And she says, no way. No way. And we began to talk about this. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is present in the normal, routine, ordinary stuff of life? That he's already there. That you don't have to pray for God to show up because he's already there. Do you believe that? I know I'm challenged on a regular basis around that. um, To realize that this God is present. And, and, And the neat thing is, it's not like you know, 15% of God is there on the softball field or at the, the dinner table. 100% God is present. He's there. He's present for us in the ordinary stuff of life. It reminds me of a story that happened about four years ago. We had this huge snowstorm, um, kind of like the one of the bad ones we had in early March of this past year, but this was like four years ago. And it happened on a Saturday night, and I think it was like the first or second weekend in February. And uh, it snowed so strongly that, that our church was canceled that morning. And uh, I was supposed to preach that morning, so I kind of had like a, a, day, a snow day, a day off. And uh, I remember kind of waking up and, and realizing, man, I need, to, I need to shovel the snow. We don't have a snowblower, so I, I need to shovel the snow that's on our driveway because there's a lot of snow. And, and because I believe in collaboration and partnership in my marriage, I invite my wife, Janiel to help me. And she said yes. So we went out there 
on a date <laughs> and shoveled the snow. And after about a half an hour or so, we, we cleaned off our driveway. And I remember uh, as we were walking away, uh, we're heading to go inside our house because I was cold. I wanted to kind of get inside and have my bowl of Lucky Charms or something. Um, but I remember out of the corner of my eye seeing our neighbor across the street, this small, petite lady across the street in her 50s. And her husband has a bad back, and she's out there shoveling by herself. And this sort of moment, we, we have those moments, don't we? Um, help her. And ashamedly, my first impulse was just to keep, keep walking. Go inside. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I want to have a bowl of cereal. And just kind of forced myself to turn around and head over to her driveway. And, and Janelle and I went over there and shoveled snow. We had this delightful conversation. Just shoveling snow. And she knows I'm a pastor. And she says, aren't you supposed to be working this morning? Yeah. Yeah, I am. And just shoveled snow and just had this really rich conversation. And the sun was beginning, beginning to come out that morning. And, and it was just this beautiful, just kind of glorious morning. And she said thanks. And Janiel and I you know, left her driveway. I remember crossing the street. I remember this very distinctly to this day. Sort of voice inside me saying, it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard. And I went inside. And I sat down at a kitchen table and had that bowl of cereal. And just kind of reflected. And I was so in awe of God. This living God who is so large and so huge, cares so much about this lady across the street that he'd prompt me, he'd move me into action to help her. And my heart just began just to well up. This in worship. As intimate and, and as moving as a Sunday morning worship service. So moved by this God. We believe in a God who is involved in prompting people to shovel snow for each other. We believe in a God who um, is involved in the very intimate, uh, intricate details of our lives. Normal, ordinary stuff. And that's what we see in Genesis 28. This God who is, in, who, who is there for Jacob in the middle of nowhere, in this kind of backwoods area. Surely the Lord is in this place, this ordinary place, and I was not aware of it. Another observation I have of Genesis chapter 28 actually um, finds itself in verses 18 through 19. And the writer says this, Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Well, the city used to be called Luz. What I like about this story is that um, it's not like Jacob has this sort of um, encounter with God and he just kind of moves on to the next thing. Kind of is, packs his bag and heads out of camp because he's on the run. No, he, he, he responds uh, he, he sets up a, a spiritual marker. He sets up a pillar. But he responds to this encounter. So one of the observations is, is that when you have these encounters with God, these times where, where you experience His presence, is to respond to those. Is to respond. 
And, 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 and maybe for you, it's, you know, in your marriage or in your family. Or, or maybe it's in a friendship. Whatever it is for you, is to respond. And I have four questions. Um, I'd like to invite you this morning just to write down as you experience God, when you experience God in your life, four questions to ask yourself. Okay? As a response. The first question is that when you have these encounters and your eyes are awake to God, is there a promise to claim? Is there a promise to claim? You know, for Jacob, that's exactly what it was. Because God says to him, I am with you. I am the God of Abraham, Jacob's grandfather. I am the God of Isaac. That's Jacob's dad. I am the God of Jacob. You're going to be a blessing. So, so, so for Jacob, it was to claim this promise as a response. And, and I think that finds itself in this marker, this pillar, kind of marking this special moment in his life. A promise to claim. Another question to, to ask yourself is when you have um, this awareness of God and, and his involvement in your life, is, is there a command to obey? Is there a command to obey? Is God wanting me to obey something? And maybe as we go through uh, these stories in the Bible over the next few weeks, great summer reading in this series, uh, maybe for you, it, you're going to come across a passage or a verse where there's a command to obey. Where really for you, the response is to uh, obey this command. And the next question to ask as a response, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a sin to avoid? And next week we're going to look at, look at Adam and Eve. Again, real people in real times, in real events. Adam and Eve. And maybe from that story next week that you'll see something uh, about a sin to avoid. And then the last question. Is there a cause? Is there a mission to pursue? And as the worship band comes up here, I want you to just kind of reflect on that. And maybe these are questions you, again, ask with your family, your coworkers, a spouse. Maybe it's something you just put in your car, and as you're commuting, as I've talked to some of you, you have long commutes. Maybe you just put that in your car and, and leave it there and just kind of wrestle with these questions of this upcoming week. And for Janiel and I, um, as I was interviewing here at Maple Grove Covenant Church, um, became exceedingly clear that God was revealing himself to us. That uh, as we talked to Chad and other people, uh, that, that, God, that God's presence was, was there. And our eyes became awake to this God who was inviting us into something. And it really came down to this last question for Janiel and I, as we felt and experienced God's presence. That there is, there is a mission, there's a cause to pursue for us. And now it was a big part of our response of saying yes for me to come on staff here. is to be a part of a community of, of believers, to be a part of this uh, great church, to go love live. 
to pursue that mission, to pursue that cause uh, in the days that we have. So as you reflect on this morning, is to take a look at these questions and uh, ask them and see what God might do in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We give thanks, gratefulness for these scriptures where we hear your voice, where we sense your presence. We don't need to ask you to show up. You're here. Help us to show up. God, we pause just to reflect on the fact that you're a God who is so amazing and so glorious and so multidimensional so beyond this world and life at the same time you're here and for some of us who are walking through a painful journey right now for some of us who are are looking for work and are wrestling with doubt and we tend to run from doubt help us to open our eyes to you and simply to look upon you just to remember your words. I am with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may you, the community of Maple Grove Covenant Church, may your eyes be open to a God who's involved in this world. May you become aware of a God who's involved in the ordinary, normal things of life. And may you hear his voice. I am with you. May you in your pain, may you in your suffering, may you in your joy, may you in your happiness, hear these words, O living God. I am with you. Amen. Have a great Sunday.